Welcome to the Campus Outreach Podcast, where we want to equip you to make your college years count for eternity. I'm your host, Tyler Rollison, also known as T-Roll, and I want to thank you for joining us today. We have a very special episode for you. A returning star of the podcast, Mm. a good friend of mine named Josh Tolman, the campus director at Barry College. Josh, it's so good to see you, man. It's good to be back. So you've been on here before, and people might not know you. Mm-hmm. So what if you start by just telling us a little bit more about your family? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been married for five years. Uh, my wife's name is Sarah Jane. Nice. The classic double name. Be- so Southern. From Alabama. There you go. Um, <laughs> and I have one child. His name's Benjamin. He is two and a half. Nice. So, so, yes. so where did you meet your lovely wife? Uh, we met on a beach project with Campus Outreach. Wow. Uh, she went to Troy. Okay. TR, yep. Shout out Tro- Trojans. That's right. Um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, we we worked at the same beach retail shop, formerly known as Alvin's Island. Mm. Actually, th- think actually think it is. There, I think it's, it's, it's probably still, still there. <laughs> but I like to say formerly known. <laughs> formerly known. Um, but yeah, oh, so um, she was the cashier, and I uh, pressed shirts in the back, and I stared at her every day, and I uh, just waited to ask her on a date because she had a boyfriend. Wow. So, whoa. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you finally got your shot, and you I took did. it. Yes, I did. Good for you, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Alvin's Island. What a place for love to start. I'll tell you what. What a wonderful spot. All right. Well, with that in mind, we should probably get into our topic for today. Yeah, the New Testament. That's right. (laughs) So so today's topic is understanding how we got the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And again, Josh, you're our... uh, our Theologian, our local theologian uh, here. No. Yes, mm-hmm. man. So um, we're excited for you to talk about this. Just like the other times you've been here on the pod, um, got some questions for you. What I want you to do is uh, just answer these questions, and we'll have some good discussion. Sound good? Sounds great. All right, man. So can you start by just describing the biggest differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and you know, such as like uh, the time frame they were written and their mm-hmm. basic context? Yes. Um, I'm going to try and summarize about 1,500 years of redemptive history. Perfect. In, in a couple about, minutes? In a couple minutes, Yeah, yep. let's, let's hear it. All right, and go. <laughs> so the Old Testament was written anywhere between 13th century B.C. to about the 5th century B.C. That's when we think um, Malachi was, was wrapped up. Okay. Um, and then the New Testament is written, you know, depending on who you ask. Um, was written in between 50 A.D. to about 90 A.D. is when John was written. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. Mm-hmm. Great. So a difference of, my math is correct, r- around 500 years, give or take, it sounds like, right? About. Yep. Okay. That's right. Around about somewhere in between. That's right. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, today we read the New Testament in English or... Should I say at least most mm-hmm. of the people listening to this podcast, more yep. than likely, mm-hmm. will read it in English. If you don't, I'm impressed. I'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what language was the New Testament actually written in? The New Testament was written in something called Koine Greek. Okay. Um, so, yes. Um, it was a type of Greek that spanned about 200 years. Um, that was commonly used. Um, it's actually the everyday language Greek. Um uh, and yeah, that's that's what, that's what we, we so, have it in. So does that mean that the Greek you would hear and read now if you went to Greece would be different? It's a little bit different. It, it okay. would be like, um, and I've, I've heard um, some people talk about this, it, it would be like, you know, that this is a little bit simplistic, but if you went back to Elizabethan England and okay. people were speaking 
um, in like the King James Version Bible all of the time. Ah, so you, wow. you, you'd be able to rec- recognize some vocabulary, but the form would be a little strange. Gotcha. So, so they'd yeah. be freaked out by some Southerners. <laughs> more than likely. More like, can, can I say one more, more thing about of course, just like please. The, the Old Testament and the New Testament? I'd love for you to say as much as you want. All right. Um, well, I, when it comes to the, the differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament, when it, when it comes to the Old Testament, it, it is, it is um, about a creator God who chooses a pagan man, Abraham, to be in relationship with him. And then this man eventually turns into a nation. Um, so that's how you get Israel. And then that nation is in the land of Canaan. That's the land that God gives them after the Exodus. And then that uh, Israelite nation fails in relationship with God uh, in, in the sense that, that they disobey. And so they're exiled into Assyria, into Babylon. In other words, they're taken away. Um, and and they come back. Um, so after about 70 years of being in exile, God brings them back to the land that they were taken out of. And nothing is the same. They're let down. And there, and so Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament, the last prophet. Right. And he ends on a very sad tone. In fact, uh, N.T. Wright, scholar at Cambridge, says that the Old Testament is, and, and the Jewish people are, are very much a story left unfinished. Hmm. And that's where the New Testament picks up, is there was this kingdom of God that they had all hoped for, but but they never really got to see coming full. And then Jesus picks that same theme up in Mark. And so that's the fulfillment of everything that had been looked for, the kingdom of God. And Jesus pays for the sin of his people. He buys them back. He makes them his. And now instead of rebuilding the temple, he makes you his temple. Ooh, okay. Yeah. And instead of there being a preacher mode, instead (laughs) instead of there being a King David on the throne, he's on the throne. Um, And now as a church, we are set to fulfill the mission of the great commission Mm. and make disciples, bringing the nations in and redeeming the the whole earth. So that is the story of the Bible in about two minutes. That's good. Somebody listening just said, amen, (laughs) just a minute ago. So, all right. So, so let's do this. Okay. Tell us exactly (laughs) as best you can. How did we get the new Testament? Okay. And go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is. Um, I'm, I'm excited to answer this. It's, it's quite the question. Um, so, um, as, as it goes, this is, this is the spark notes. Um, so again, there's been a lot of ink that's, that's, that's been spilt. Um, so in short, I would say we got the new Testament from, from the, from the, uh, apostles and those who knew. Yeah. Um, and you know, so I think one of the questions that we should be asking is, is why do we have a new Testament? Because Second Timothy three sixteen, Paul talks about the scriptures that make us wise unto salvation, and he's very much referring to the Old Testament in that passage. So Christians have never been without a Bible. We've always had a Bible. Um, in fact, for the earliest Christians, it was the Old Testament, and as the apostles instructed the churches and wrote letters to the churches that were then copied and distributed. Um, those those became known as the the Word of God. And so the next question would be, how do we know that the apostles and what they wrote was the Word of God? Right. Well, I, I'm going to argue that that was the expectation of 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 the church. and and here, and that's that's very much how the apostles saw themselves. And so again, why? Well, what we understand is that redemptive activity, 
So God's saving works in history. So you think about, for instance, the Exodus. What comes after the Exodus? The Old Testament. That's, that's when we get it. And so when you have a covenant, you have covenant documents. When you have redemption, you have redemptive documents that the talk about this God and your relationship to him. That's, that's how the Jews understood themselves. And so now when you get to the New Testament and, and the people of God, um, they very much expected the, the apostles were the prophets. So in other words, just like the prophets in the Old Testament talked about God's word, the apostles saw themselves in the same way. So you have God's redemptive saving work fulfilled in Jesus. I mean, there's, there has been no greater work of salvation in the history of God's people. And so we expect then to have redemptive documents. And, and that's, that's what the church, as, as we read the church fathers and we read the New Testament, that's what the church expected, and that's what the apostles saw themselves in, in line with. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good, man. And, and so... That's that's what they were expecting. So how did we get it then? Yeah, All right. Let's hear it. All right. So let's let's hear the 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 skeleton um, of the, of the outline, not the skeleton of like I'm afraid, but just like the outline. Anyway, um, I'll I'll just say this. So the the apostles like John wrote, right, and they they wrote letters to churches. And then you have people who, who might even be writing for an apostle. Like, we're pretty sure that the Gospel of Mark was written by Mark, but it was dictated by Peter. Um, and then you have others who are just in the apostolic circle, like Jude. And so these people w- would have written to the church, and it was the apostolic material that was being preached. So this is the Gospel. The people have been with Jesus. This is very much the, the context of what's happening in, in the book of Acts. Um, and they and they didn't just write haphazardly; they wrote very carefully. And what we what we know about that time period is that when um, when people were writing letters, such as the apostles, is that for instance in Second Thessalonians, it says from Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, and, and maybe even a scribe, sat down and and wrote that letter out very intentionally. And they made a copy for themselves and a copy for the church that was to be sent. And so, that, you know, there, there's, there's a passage that where, where Paul says, bring above all the parchments. I think it's 2 Timothy. And what he's talking about is we think he's referring to even these letters that he's written to the churches hmm. where he keeps them t- together, right? And so, um, and, and as the churches receive them, they would have copied them. And so that gets us into the next question. Was the New Testament faithfully copied? Oh, boy. That, yeah. yeah. And so I'm, I'm going to oh, yeah. introduce you to someone named Bart Ehrman. Okay. If you haven't heard, 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 heard that name before, he is a biblical scholar at North Carolina, UNC Chapel Hill. And um, he has made his life um, to tell us that the scribal tradition um, is wrong. Um, the, there are tons of mistakes that we can't trust the New Testament that we have. Yeah. And, and he writes a lot of popular works. In fact, w- one book is called Misquoting Jesus. 
Um, and he's, he's been roundly critiqued, but, but one of the things that he would have us believe again is that how could you trust the Bible when you don't even know that you have the actual words of Jesus? Because it's, it's just been copied so, so many times. So many times, yeah. yeah. You hear this a lot. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, and there have been a, there's been a lot said about um, what's called a scriptatorium, as in like an established room where you have scribes copying a single text. We, we know that that's been done with the ancient classics like Homer and the Iliad and the Odyssey. Yeah. Um, books that you read in history class, you know, yeah, like all of those grade. are ancient <laughs> books that someone had to copy for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a bit ironic that we trust those. Um, when, when the New Testament manuscript collection is actually far more impressive. So we have about 5,000 manuscripts um, or partial manuscripts of our New Testament. Um, but, you know, uh, again, what the research tells us over and over again is that these have been faithfully copied um, and that we have enough manuscripts to where we can put them all together and we, we know for sure that we have the words of the apostles um, that, that, they, that they wrote down. And, and so, you know, a guy like Ehrman's going to bring up, well, you know, you have scribal mistakes because the, they're humans. Well, of course they're humans. It's, you know, it's, it's really interesting. We, we tend to apply the same sort of expectation on ancient documents that we have with the printing press today. When in, in reality, it's like, okay, so Tyler, let's, you, you tell me a story. Right now? No, 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 okay. no. Just for, for, <laughs> sorry, I, mean, I, for, I can do it if so, you want. <laughs> so, for instance, you tell me a story. Well, then I have another person come into the room, and then they start telling me that story. We're, we're going to be able to put together the pieces of, of what happened. It's not just your account. Well, what, what if we bring in 200 people over the same story? That's the, type of, that's the type of work that scholars do. They bring in all of the texts that we have. And we know, we kn- Bart Ehrman is able to say that we have 400,000 scribal mistakes in the New Testament. That sounds, that sounds like a lot. Yeah. What if it's divided by 5,000 manuscripts? And what if you have repeats? So what I'm saying is the information that he uses to be able to tell us that we have all of those mistakes mm-hmm. actually gets turned on its head because he can say that they're mistakes because we know they're mistakes because we have enough manuscripts to where we know what should be. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we have, we have enough manuscript evidence. In fact, it's scholars use this phrase. Literally. I, I read one this morning that said we have an embarrassing amount of manuscripts because it's just so much to, to work with. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, this, this last thing that, that I'll say that students may have heard in, in the past is that all right? Not only have there been changes, which we've just we've we've just talked about, and, and has been roundly critiqued by hundreds of scholars, um, is that listen? Not only did these scribal mistakes happen, but they were for theological purposes. These scholars had theological agendas, as in like they were convinced that Jesus was God, so they changed it. Which that's that might not be one that's r- 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 running around too often on our campuses, but I I. I, I let me just give you an example of one of, this is actually so most, I'd say 95% um, of that number that I just said earlier, 
they're they're like not dotting an iota. Yeah, that's the type of variation right. that we're talking about, right? Um, and here's here's w- one of the larger ones. So this is like in the rare category. This is Luke two thirty three. One one manuscript says his father and mother. The other manuscript says Joseph and his mother. That's considered a significant variation. Interesting. Yeah. But it's obvious what's being it's said. It's obvious there. what's be- being said. And so it, it's tough to see the motivation behind that change, which yeah. honestly that helps us read it better because clearly <laughs> there was a scribe that was reading it and said, oh, he's clearly talking about Joseph. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's that's the type of stuff that we're talking about here. Yeah, because I think a ton of skeptics are always saying that you can't trust the reliability of the Bible. How can you tr- trust its actual message? Is it the original message? Is that something I hear a lot? But yes. like you mentioned, yes. if it's something about missing a dot on some punctuation. Right, right. right? But if we can tell that the general overall message is still clear, mm-hmm. all these manuscripts seem to really be helpful. Yes, yes. And I'll say two things quickly okay. just just a, a, a about that. So, you know, for instance, you have your NIV version, your yeah. ESV, your NASB. You may think, wow, so many translations. It's like a game of, you, you may have heard this before, it's, it's like a game of telephone. You <laughs> yeah. know, like how can we really know what comes out the, the, the other end? Listen, that, when, when we make a new translation, so like when someone makes an NIV translation, they don't go to the ESV. They go to the Greek manuscripts, hmm. which do not change, in right. which we're finding... Right, there was a time where we were finding hundreds every, every year. Now we're finding probably about five to ten every yeah. year. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You're on a roll over yeah. here, man. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's yeah, good. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, all that in mind, I, again, I I just feel like there's still a ton of people out there who aren't convinced, mm-hmm. right? Who, you know, will there still will be people on the news, maybe even TV that are just like, yeah. man, we, that ain't the the Bible. We don't have it right, mm-hmm. right? They just—they're just not convinced. Yeah, yeah, and I—that's—that's that's a really good point. And I think what tends to happen is they tend these these media personnel or whoever it might be, they they tend to dive into scholarship that's about that's several years old, and they pick one side. Okay. So it, the, they pick the extreme Bart Ehrman position which in reality is not the position of most scholars. So that again it's to it's to make you read, it's to make you click. And okay. if it yeah. fits well with the post and this is the very last thing I'll say is that it fits in with the postmodern narrative of all truth claims are inherently a power play. Hmm. So truth claims are are not to be trusted. In fact, if you say that you have something that is true, you are lying you are misinformed or you are evil. And and so when, when we claim that we have a faithful tra- tradition and some scholar out there says that we don't, the inclination is to go with a scholar who says that we don't just based on the cultural air that we breathe. Mm, wow. Man, so profound. There's so much we can get into there. Yeah. Like Worldview yeah. and everything yeah. else. Um, okay, how about this? Before we get you out of here, okay. um, and I know we've only scratched the surface to, yeah, some, to yeah. some regard, but mm-hmm. any further resources you might recommend 
for anyone listening? Yes, um, there are two. One, one's a book, one's a website. So I'll recommend the website first. Um, it's by a professor at Reformed Theological Seminary named Dr. Michael J. Kruger. Um, and uh, it's a website called Canon Fodder. Like Canon, like the Civil War, mm-hmm. and Fodder, like obviously you would shoot out of a cannon. Right. So canonfodder.com. Um, it is, um, maybe I'm getting the .com wrong, but it, it is... It is immensely helpful um, because he he critiques the, he specific he specifically critiques popular news articles that that say these things. Gotcha. Um, and then the second thing is is the is the book written by him and it's called Canon Revisited. Now it's it's a heavy read, um, but it is if if you want to get into the details that that would be where you would go. So okay. Great word, brother. Well, listen. Thank you again for joining us and for giving us some of your time. I, I really do think it's gonna it's a a blessing for everyone who got to listen to this episode. So um, we'll try to get you on another time here, Josh. Um, any last words before we get out of here? Parting words? Um, I'm just happy to see your face. <laughs> That's all I got. Well, thanks, man. That means a lot. So for my good friend, Josh Tolman, this is T-Roll saying thank you once again for listening. We will see you next time for another episode of the Campus Outreach Podcast. Take care. <laughs>